Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. Today's episode of The Other Stories is The Collector, written by Chris Lilienthal and narrated by Justin Fife. When I was young, I used to think that the sounds I heard at night after everyone went to sleep were telling me a story, the creaking of a floorboard, the rattling of a loose shingle outside my window. The scurrying of tiny feet across the roof overhead. Every remote screech and crash, every swish and crunch were part of a nightly saga staged for me and no one else. It was a coping mechanism, of course. I had terrible insomnia as a child, still do. Back then, I'd listen for Pop Pop to pad up the stairs around 11, his footsteps pausing momentarily outside my bedroom door, before retreating down the hall to his and Noni's bedroom. I wanted to cry then. I hated being the last one awake, alone with the emptiness of the night. So I did what any scared little boy would do. I told myself I really wasn't alone. There were sounds everywhere in the dark and creatures to go with them. If I listened hard enough, I could hear the story they had to tell. And I could even be part of it. Sometimes I would hold my breath so that I could hear everything 
that was swirling around me in my bedroom. One night, as I laid there holding it all in, I could still hear someone breathing. Fast and wheezy somewhere in the room. This was something new, something exciting. Throwing off the quilt, I leapt out of bed, dropped to one knee and placed my hand on the cold floor, where I could feel the fast ba-bump, ba-bump, bump of a heartbeat vibrating through the wood. Who's under there? I whispered, exhaling as I spoke. I heard a quick gasp and a squeak. Don't be scared. I just want to say hello. There was a flashlight on my bedside table that Pop-Pop had given me in case I needed to get up in the night to pee or get a drink of water. Grabbing it with both hands, I clicked it on and shone its light under my bed. There were a few dirty socks, a board game, a couple miniature sports cars, along with some dust bunnies flitting about in the beam of my flashlight. Beyond that, blinking and terrified was something I did not expect to find in the space under my bed. You're a clown, I whispered. Then to no one in particular, I added, there's a clown under my bed. The trembling clown lying on his left shoulder under there curled himself into a fetal position, all the while whimpering like a beaten dog. His face, I could see from my flashlight beam, was painted a ghostly white, with thick black circles around his eyes. His hair was curly and crimson, and of course, he wore an oversized nose, just as a clown should. My heart exploded with delight. He was absolutely perfect. At breakfast the next morning, I told Pop-Pop and Noni about the clown under my bed. They exchanged a look that I wasn't supposed to notice. What kind of a clown? Pop-Pop asked. Oh, you know, a funny one, I said. Did he have a big red nose? Noni asked. Oh, yes, and a dirty frilly collar and crazy messy hair, but he's too scared to come out from under my bed. Pop-Pop made a face, but Noni put a hand on his knee and said, You have such a wonderful imagination, Kevin. I just love it. Pop-Pop bit his lip, then asked, Did you see something on the news, Kevin, uh, about a clown? I shook my head. What was on the news? Nothing, Noni said, shooting an angry look in Pop-Pop's direction. It's just, I wonder if you saw something on the news, or somebody at school told you something about a clown, Pop-Pop went on. That's enough, Hank, Noni said in a voice that meant business. Turning her attention back to me, she smiled and asked, Now, Kevin... Never mind, Pop-Pop. He's just an old fuddy-duddy who never liked clowns anyways. But I always love them. Me too. Now, tell me, does this clown of yours have a name? Oh, yes, Noni, I said, barely able to hold my excitement in. He's called Knives the Clown. You don't need to be afraid, I told Knives under my bed that night. You can come out when you're ready. He laid on his side under there as far away from me as he could get, just staring back at me, his eyes bulging, his lower lip quivering. We could 
play a board game. I, I have sorry or shoots and ladders. Knives didn't move. Oh, I know. I have a moon rock. Have you ever seen a moon rock before? I lifted myself up and hurried towards my desk. It's not much, just a thin circle of rock, but it's the moon. I stopped when I noticed an old duffel bag on the floor by the foot of my bed. It looked like it was a hundred years old and had been through more wars than Pop-Pop. What's this? I asked. I could hear Knives scrambling from his hiding place, his fingernails scraping against the hardwood floor. A second later, he dragged his body halfway out from under the bed, reaching with his unnaturally long arms for the duffel bag. He pulled it into a tight hug across his chest. What is it? My collection, he whispered in a raspy voice. A collection? Uh, Can I see it? Knives said nothing as he slid back on his belly under the bed with the duffel bag firmly in his grip, as if someone unseen had grabbed a hold of his ankles and yanked him back under. The next day at lunch, the doorbell rang, and there was a police officer there when Pop-Pop went to answer it. I'm sorry to bother you, sir, the officer said, but I wonder if I could ask you some questions related to a... He cleared his throat and added in a whisper, A criminal investigation? Pop-Pop nodded and, turning to me, said, Kevin, uh, go play in the family room. I'm going to talk with this police officer here for a few minutes. The two of them stepped out onto the front porch, pulling the door shut behind them. I ran upstairs to my bedroom, and from an open window, I tried to eavesdrop on their whispered conversation below. I couldn't hear much, but I had a hunch what it was all about. Across the street, I could see the police going in and out of the Bosley's house. There was yellow police tape strung up all around the place. Pop-Pop was very pale when he came back inside the house. Running down the steps, I asked him what had happened but he only shook his head and told me to go play. Oh, and Kevin, he added, stay inside the house the rest of the day. (laughs) Were you on the news? I asked Knives under my bed that night. He was lying on his right shoulder with his back to me. He had a small round bald spot on the top of his curly mop of a head. Are the police after you? Awkwardly, he rolled onto his back and then his left shoulder so that I could see his tired clown eyes and the glow of my flashlight. Well, it's okay if they are. I don't care. What I really want is for you to show me your collection. Knives closed his eyes, considering the request. After a long silence, he opened his eyes again and narrowed them at me, like an intense toddler finally ready to tell me his story. For the first time since we met, knives came out from under the bed. We sat across from each other, legs crisscrossed on my orange shag throw rug in the middle of the room. Knives placed the double bag between us and nudged it with his scab knuckles. I'm a collector, he said in his raspy voice. This is my collection. Pulling the bag closer, I slowly unzipped it. The old zipper catching in places and slowing my progress. I kept at it, with a furtive eye on knives to be sure I wasn't offending him in any way. His eyes were dotty and bloodshot, and his smile pointed. 
The clown looked like a proud father about to show his son some memorabilia from his high school glory days. As the zipper clicked into place, I felt as if I had opened up a secret that shouldn't be known. My perspective of the room shifted. I was now watching everything unfold from far away, high up in the cheap seats. Knives pushed my hands aside impatiently and reached inside the duffel bag to lift out a severed human head. There were three in all. Two men and one woman, I would come to learn. The thin glow of my nightlight reflected off the cold surface of the first one's shaven scalp. Streaked with mud and dried blood, the skin peeling away in places. Its dead eyes bulged above a large nose and broken jaw. Mean man, Knives grumbled, before tossing it carelessly to his left, where it landed with a sickening thud. Lifting an old woman's head from the bag and holding it by her long gray hair, he simply said, Lady, before lobbing it toward the other. He hesitated a moment before lifting out the third head and holding it up in the light by its large ears. He didn't need to introduce me to this one. I already knew him. Mr. Bosley, my neighbor who lived across the street. Returning to my body then, I looked from knives to Mr. Bosley's lifeless eyes, and I decided that I would not blink, would not let him see me blink. This is why you were on the news? I asked quietly. Knives cocked his head to the right. You're the one the police are looking for. The knives narrowed his eyes, curled his lips into a crooked smile, and tilted his head back as far as it would go. With his eyes heavenward, he began heaving with guttural laughter. His mouth dropping open so wide, I could have sworn that his jaw had come unhinged. His hoarse laugh echoed in my brain like a headache that went on long after he had grown tired of this show-and-tell time and began shoving the heads back into his duffel bag. Therapists I've seen in the years since then tell me Knives the Clown was not real, just a vivid figment of my imagination, a waking nightmare born out of the trauma of knowing that my neighbor had been murdered just across the street. Kids do that kind of thing, I've been told. But if it were true, why did Knives have three heads in that duffel bag? Who were the other two? When I got older, I did a little library research. I fished out those spools of microfish and fed them into a machine so that I could read the old newspapers from those days in the late 80s. It turns out a man and a woman had been killed in our neighborhood just before Mr. Bosley, all of them brutally decapitated. Their heads never found, their bodies stuffed under their beds. And there, in one of the news reports was a grainy still of surveillance camera footage showing a man in a clown getup schlepping past the gas station on the corner a block from our house. A clown caught on camera. Therapists tend to get a little queasy when I produce this bit of evidence. They usually end the session about then whether the hour is up or not. So I find myself up late at night these days after everyone in the world has gone to sleep, retelling the story to myself, going over it all with a fine-toothed comb, trying to figure it all out. Sometimes when I'm really restless, I slip out from under the quilt, 
drop onto the floor and slide under the bed to put myself in Knife's place, to see it through his eyes. I bought the red clown wig on a lark. It was just there on a shelf in a thrift shop, and I thought, why not? From time to time, I'll put it on just before I scooch under the bed. Sometimes the absurdity of it makes me laugh, just like Knives did all those years ago. I tilt my head back, and I'll laugh loud and hard until it hurts all over. Yesterday, I bought a duffel bag. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Other Stories. The Collector was written by Chris Lilienthal, narrated by Justin Fife, edited by Carl Hughes with music and sound effects by Zapsplat.com and Tom Robson. The episode illustration was provided by Luke Spoon of Carry On House. A quick thanks to our community managers, Joshua Boucher and Jasmine Arch, and to Joshua Boucher and Karen O'Brien for helping with our submission reading, and to Ben Errington, the maestro of imagination, sculpting endearing social media content for us all. Chris Lilienthal is a fiction writer whose work has been published in anthologies from Erie River Publishing and Unsettling Reads. He lives with his wife, two sons, and a geriatric dog in central Pennsylvania. Learn more at www.chrislwrites.com. Justin Fife is a voice actor and podcaster. You can follow him on Twitter at, at JustinBFife. Dear Stories is a production of the Story Studio Hawk and Cleaver and is brought to you with a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. That means don't change it don't sell it but by all means share the hell out of it until next time small details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat rounded textured or tall whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right because rust-oleum's new custom spray five in one gives you control with five different spray patterns so you can tackle nooks crannies edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.